Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 111. And before we bring in our guest, no stranger to this program, a man that I have talked to so much I could probably write his biography, but we'll save that for another time. Uh, it is Dan Watson, the head coach of the Toledo Walleye. And uh, I want everyone to know that the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue, the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. And now that the summertime, the weather seems to be breaking eventually as you're watching the playoffs and then relaxing out on the patio or your deck or wherever the lake during the summer. Remember, always top the beautiful day off with a nice icy cold frosty Labatt Blue. But as always, we ask that you drink our premium Labatt Blue Beer responsibly. And with that said, let's bring in Dan Watson. And uh, you know, Dan, it's been a while because I think the last time you were on, Labatt was not our sponsor. But, but uh, anyway, uh, it's always great to talk to you. Welcome uh, to the Red and White Authority, and uh, let's get right at it. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again. Um, you're in the playoffs. You're in the second round, I believe. Yep. It's your division final against the best team in the ECHL, the Cincinnati Cyclones. You're up two games to one. We're doing this just before game four here in Toledo. It's a strange setup. It's a 1-3-3. And I guess my first question is, and you're up, to, as I said, two <laughs> games to one. Why is it a 1-3-3? Uh, just building availability down in Cincinnati. So, you know, usually the higher seed in uh in our league, we'd go a 2-3-2 format. They didn't have the first two dates available. So this was proposed, and, and uh, there's a lot of back and forth, but they filled their building with New Kids on the Block, a concert there, and uh, the New Kids were there starting their, their uh, concert series there. So they rented the building for the first few days of practice, and so we actually had to start our series early on last Thursday. Uh, the series was supposed to start Friday. We agreed to it and, and three home games here and we were lucky to, to steal game one and, and we split here so far. So it's, this is actually a very, very big game here tonight. So is it, it's a, I, I'm not up on my boy bands like yeah. I should be, yeah. but is it, should we blame Donnie Wahlberg for this then? Is that, is potentially, it, potentially. <laughs> it doesn't work out That's for the right. Wall, That's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, Looking at it, I mean, from a coaching perspective, when you look at it, and it is an odd format, 1-3-3, mm -hmm. three, three, as I said, did you think, well, we win that first game in Cincinnati, we're in good shape. What was the determining factor where you agreed to do this? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was basically let's go in there game one and give it all we've got and try to get that win, bring it home here, uh, and then, you know, at minimum win two or three. Now you're going back to Cincinnati with a 3-1 lead. Uh, and go from there. And I think that's sort of the mindset we still have. We still have that opportunity in front of us. Uh, with that said, an extremely good opponent. Uh, you know, they, they've given us some fits in certain departments. Their, their power play one game uh, got to us, and, and they're, they're built with speed and built with skill. Uh, we're built a little bit bigger, a little bit different, and, and so we have to, have to make sure we slow them down. But I think that mentality of winning game one, getting back here on home ice where we've been very good all year long, uh, you know, it set us up for, for hopefully – uh, lead heading heading back down there. Yeah, I, 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 you know, the last time I saw you, I don't want to say anything, but you look like you're in full full playoff gear. You got a beard going and everything. Yeah, you know what? It was one of those things where we've been very good the last four years. We've had opportunities to win some things. We just haven't done it. And I've been one of those coaches that uh, the clean shaven got to look professional all the time. Not saying beards don't look professional, but. <laughs> 
I went back. I think it's one of the best traditions in hockey are the guys that grow the beards. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it this year and, and, and see what type of success we have. So, uh, so far, so good. So has has the team rallied behind the the beard? I mean, uh, you know, is, uh, am I going to see a walleye bench tonight full of bearded players? Or? You will start to see some if guys can grow them. You know, yeah, that's, my, that's what was my next question. They're kind of young too. We have a so. few guys that I don't think uh, they're not even able to shave yet by the looks of them some days. But no, we've got an older group, and uh, yeah, no, they're they're right into it. Yeah, you know, when we talked in September and. Obviously, people know that you're part of development camp, you're part of training camp, you're on the ice, you're, you know, the Red Wings, uh, as we've talked about in the past, do not treat the ECHL affiliate like it's like Siberia or something and that you've been banished. You're part of the organization. And when we talked, it seemed that the Red Wings, Grand Rapids, and Toledo, we're all going through a transitional phase this year. Different rosters, you you know, one thing that, you know, you've told me was like, hey, the last couple of years, we had a pretty set roster, which for this league is kind of uncommon. This year, not so much. How has this year been for you? It's been interesting. It seems like uh, at the start of the year, we were good. We were on a nice 10-game winning streak with what we had. Uh, and then from there, you know, basically once Christmas hit, just a little bit before Christmas, we had some key injuries to guys. We had some guys called up for lengthy periods of time. Uh, we had to make some calls to the Southern Pro League and, and bring up some players from there to, to get us through. Uh, you know, we played shorthanded a couple games with only 15 skaters versus 16. So it was rough. It was rough, but that's part of this job. You know that going into the season, at times it will hit, and, and we've been through it as an organization, as a team before. So I kind of knew what to expect, and you just have to be ready to make those phone calls and get guys here as quickly as you can. You know, I'm kind of aging myself here, but... I guess back in the olden days, which was well, five, six years ago, whatever, <laughs> you would have a Rolodex a mile long. I would imagine you must have contacts in your phone from, from virtually every league in, in, uh, in North America. Yeah, you have to. And then, you know, that's what's so great about this sport. It's a small world. And, and you, you realize that when some of the coaches are, were former players, uh, former teammates of mine, Andy Delmore's, you know, uh, Alden Hirschfeld, another assistant. He he went through the recruiting process for before he went to Miami of Ohio, and and he was able to reach out to some college coaches as well at the end of the year some, to bring some players in. So it's basically all hands on deck. Who do you know? Who do we like? And let's get them in here. When you look at the the, the whole big picture, and I know some of the stuff that we've talked about, we're going to go over again. The ECHL is a little bit different, and maybe we can explain to some of the fans out there who might not be familiar with it, uh, about the uh, uh, 10 forward. So when people, when kit players come here from Grand Rapids, from the Detroit organization, Red Wing property, they, especially up front, and I, yeah. I would imagine defensemen too, but they're going to play a lot and they're going to play in every situation. No, they are. And we've had a couple guys down here this year who, you know, maybe they weren't playing a lot of minutes or they're healthy scratches and, and uh, Grand Rapids felt that it was time to get them playing. They come down here for a weekend and typically it's three and three. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday could be in different cities, all three. Could be at home, all three. Uh, but as soon as they get in that lineup, I think uh, it, it hits them pretty quickly how much they're playing. You know, they might be going from six to ten minutes in Grand Rapids or not playing all the way up to 20 to 22 minutes. And like you said, it, it's an opportunity for them to play in all situations, get their confidence back, 
touch the puck, get their legs moving, to get that competition, to get that fire back in them and, and have success. And that's we try to put them in, in spots and positions that, 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 that they can do that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, is it at any time, is it six or seven Red Wing prospects you can have on your roster at any given time? You can have, I mean, you can have as many as, as uh, you want, to be honest with you. Oh, there really? are certain okay. rules. Now, that's typically what Detroit has given us right now. We've got right around that number, seven, eight guys, and, and uh, it just depends on who's available, what the situation is, how the injury bug hits Detroit, Grand Rapids. At one point, we didn't have very many because of the injuries, but now all of a sudden, once everyone's healthy, playoffs start, um, you know, we're, we're loaded again. Now, I know that you, you like to get in a rhythm, especially playoff time, and have a, you know, a constant roster as much as you can, uh, and that guy's kind of flowed in and out. When Grand Rapids is eliminated on Saturday, do you expect that maybe a Griffin or two will come down? Does, do, does Ryan Martin, who's the general manager of, uh, of the Griffins, do they talk to you, or, or do you say, with all due respect, fellas, I kind of like where my team is at, or how does that all play yeah, out? Yeah, usually within the last few weeks of the season, we'll, you know, Ryan typically gives me a call and, and figures out a playoff roster who, who in Grand Rapids could potentially be sent down if they lose. Um, with that said, this year is pretty easy. I think we had our guys before playoffs started adding David Pope uh, later on in the season, knowing you know Marcus Crawford, Dylan Sadaway, Caden Fulcher, Pat Nagel, Brian Moore, um, you know, uh, Trevor Hamilton was coming off uh, his injury and then got sent down. So we kind of knew the guys that were going to be here, uh, which, you know, sometimes doesn't happen. Sometimes it is lost, and, and now you, you get guys filtering down. But uh, once the Griffin season ended, we knew we weren't adding anybody, so we've been set since day one of playoffs. You know, what I find really kind of fascinating about this whole thing about the landscape of hockey, if you look at the uh, NHL playoffs, a uh, statistic that I read today that the Carolina Hurricanes, who are on the verge of eliminating the, the New York Islanders, let's be honest, both of them pretty surprised teams to be, to be there, but it shows the, the just how close the league is. You know, Ken Holland used to always tell me, just get in and anything can happen, and it's kind of proving out this year. Is that the same, It no matter AHL, ECHL, that... We're in the playoffs, boys. We have as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, especially at this level. I mean, we, we played a, a really good Reading team a few years ago. Lehigh Valley, uh, their AHL affiliate was, was eliminated. They were the eight seed. We were the one seed. They ended up getting those seven players down, and it, and it uh, changed their entire landscape of their team. And so we were we lost in seven games to an eight seed. It was a one seed. So I think there are some variables at this level that you know people don't understand or don't get that you could have one roster one night, a team lose out, and all of a sudden at playoff time you're you're loaded already. But with that said, I think you know especially our division. I think our division is, is extremely tight, uh, good competition with with everybody. And you're right, it, at this level it is. It really is just get in and see what happens. I mean, you've got Fort Wayne, who we played in the first round, very formidable team, very good team. Now you've got Kalamazoo, who played Cincinnati, uh, the, the one seed, and they took them to six games and, and fought them tooth and nail. And I think there's only one game, uh, two games decided by more than one goal. So it is, it's, uh, you know, I think the parity around hockey itself is starting to close that gap. You know, another interesting statistic that I, that I read today is that the Carolina Hurricanes... As far as forwards or where their forwards rank as far as salary and are near the bottom of the league. But on defense, it's the, they, their defense is the second highest paid in, in the NHL. Is, 
and I know that yep. the, the walleye used to be a high-flying, high-scoring team. I know that you wanted to change that yep. over the last couple of years, get a little bigger on the blue line, maybe be a little more physical, a little yep. more defensive. It is, I mean, you know, it's the old cliche, but defense wins championships. And Carolina, I'm not going to say they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but... You know, they're opening up a lot of eyes. They are, and I, I do believe that. I think the last couple of years we've made some adjustments to to be more playoff ready. I think we've had some excellent regular seasons winning the Brabham Cup, our league championship, uh, several divisions, several conferences and championships and, and through the regular season. But, um, you know, we really want to we want to make a push for the Kelly Cup this year. And, and so uh, our decor, they're a little bit bigger, a little more physical, but they still have the ability to move pucks. Um, you know, and we want to be deep up the middle as well. We want to we want to make sure that our centermen have the ability to to play good defensively in our zone. Make sure they're responsible, but also have the ability to to win faceoffs and get us the puck to start. So I think if you have if you're deep through the middle, you've got a good top four with the, your five and six. You can play role. Uh, for us, it's a penalty kill. For us, it's uh, when we get down at six on for five versus six. Those guys need to be uh, to be ready and play big minutes, and then obviously your goaltender as well has to be good. And Pat Nagel has been an absolute rock for us here through the playoffs. You know, I was joking around with a buddy of mine. I told him he was coming down here, and you know, everyone obviously we know Caden Fultry came up to Detroit, actually got into the last game of the season against Buffalo at the Little Caesars Arena, and I and they go, well, Fulcher playing? You're going to see Fulcher? I said, well. Actually, it's Pat Nagel, and they're like, Pat Nagel, isn't he like 80 years old? I mean, he, but he's a veteran player who really has uh, performed very, very well for this franchise. He has his last two years. Uh, last year's regular season was outstanding, you know, and, and we threw him a lot of games down the stretch. He's probably a little mentally and physically tired heading to playoffs last year, but this year he's fresh, and, and uh, he's been, like I said, he's been a rock, and he's been... He keeps our team, uh, you know, just grounded. And there's not too many highs and lows with him. He's not, he's not a roller coaster goalie. Uh, he does his job. He gives our guys confidence when he plays in front of him. With that said, Caden's a very good goaltender too at this level. You know, he had a nice year with us. A good rookie season. Extremely hard worker, willing and ready to learn. And, and uh, you know, when the, when the goalie coaches come here, uh, Brian Mahoney, Wilson, Jeff Salako made an appearance uh, once this year. You know, he's just uh, he loves the knowledge. He's he loves to eat it up and and try and and, and do what they tell him to. You know, part of your. Grand Rapids and Toledo is a development league. You, whether uh, the players at the ECHL level, whether the walleye make it to Detroit, like a couple have, and let's say Peter Morazek, Luke Glendening, they were yeah. they were down here. I'm sure there's more, but yep. uh, you know Morazek. Uh, it sounds like I'm Carolina obsessed, but I'm not. I mean, <laughs> you know, and he's and he's hurt right now. But but but, but Morazek is being the Peter Morazek we saw in spurts here in Detroit right now during the playoffs. I guess my point being is is that. When you look at this as a whole, and you know defense wins championships, and uh, but you had, as I said, some real high offensive machines, I yep. mean, setting records. Did you have to change as a coach, or do you sometimes say, God, I just, I just want to open it up, but you know what, fellas? We've got to maintain a system. Did, did you have to alter, I guess, your coaching Yeah, I, I think so. I think I had to be a little more patient at times. I think, uh, you know, the teams we've had, the high-flying ones you speak of, sometimes just let them go. 
let them do their thing. And, you know, with those types of teams, you're going to expect the turnovers are going to happen. They're going to want to try and one-on-one people. They're going to try and make it cute, maybe make the extra pass, which gets turned over. So you have to be patient with, with sometimes of those types of teams and allow them uh, to figure out what works and what doesn't versus, you know, up and down uh, their backs on the bench for a turnover here and there. With that said, with the team we have now, uh, you know, it's for us, it's about getting pucks in deep behind other teams' defense and getting on the forecheck. Mm-hmm. It's not as cute, it's not as pretty, it's not as flashy, but it's extremely effective this time of year. Uh, all our goals, we have had some nice goals scored, don't get me wrong, we still do have some guys who can skate and do have skill, but the majority of it is get pucks to the net and win the net front battles offensively, and you're seeing a lot of net front goals scored, which this time of year, that, that's where they're scored from. Well, yeah, I, I'm, now I'm jumping around a little bit, but I wanted to get back. Caden Fulcher earned a contract with the Red Wings. He was a development camp invitee when it was still in Traverse City two years ago. I remember, and I remember he was impressed, and then he leads the Hamilton, I don't know if it's the Bulldogs, or, yep. you know, to the OHL championship, plays in the Memorial Cup, uh, you know, and he was ticketed for Toledo. We talked about it last yep. September. You knew that he was going to be here. Do you, and I know you talk to the Red Wings and you're all kind of in this together, but do you look at it and, and does, or is the team aware of it? I mean, they're all hockey players. We're going to have a rookie, I mean, a raw rookie netminder yep. here, a real young kid. Does that almost make them more defensively conscious too? It could, it could. I just think, uh, you know, through training camp and and uh, through the first part of the regular season, having a veteran goaltender helps. I think he can he can uh, calm things down with the players as well. But with that said, through training camp, he 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 played extremely well for us, and he's a hard worker. I think when when guys step out on the ice and they see a young goaltender, they want to make sure that you know he's one of the last guys off the ice and one of the first guys on. That he's putting his work in, right. and I think that's one of the biggest things he did early on was just show how hard hard he works, how much uh, he wants to get better. When guys see that, they're going to go through a wall for most players in that locker room, especially a young kid um, like Caden. But Caden, uh, he's unbelievable in the locker room. He's a fun-loving guy. Yeah. You know, uh, we do a thing where we read out the starting lineup, and he's done that a few times, and he gets the, the room fired up and ready to go. And, and I think guys just, he fits our group so nicely. His character, the way he, he, uh, he's, he is around the room, around us, he's, he's starting to learn how to become a professional. You know, when he came up to Detroit, he's pretty tall but I swear he grew like three inches since September I mean how big can he get I mean he I think he's listed at six three or four no he's got to be taller than that he's got to be pushing that six five six six range and I think even from that development camp uh, the the year that he signed I think he's grown probably four or five inches but a uh, real tall kid he, he fills the net obviously extremely well and he's got good movement so I know there's some fine-tuning uh, he's got to do which the goalie coaches will be working with him in the in the summertime but he's off to a good start anyways you know i i want to talk everybody that i've talked to and you know i've been promising dan i've been coming down here for (laughs) for like over two years now i'm finally here uh the huntington center really really impressive i mean i could see where uh in a way the city itself you as a as a great head coach and just this facility kind of recruit itself i think it people walk through this and i think a a potential hockey player would have a tough time saying no to the toledo wall I, i i truly mean that but I just hear the atmosphere here is second to none. Now, I watched the ECHL All-Star game. It was on yeah, TV. Yeah. And I still don't really quite understand the format. But <laughs> I, eventually, like, the whole walleye team were All-Stars, or you played against everybody anyway. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so it was kind of – it was cool, though. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. 
But the commissioner of the ECHL talked about Toledo specifically. I know you have an outdoor game next year. Yep. Uh, and just just what this franchise is, and uh, you know, premier franchise in in this league. And if, attendance-wise, if you were in the AHL, you'd be among the attendance leaders. Why does it? Why does hockey work here, Dan? And I know you've played yeah, here as a player uh, too. Yeah, dating back when I was here, oh six, oh seven, and when I played here, there was a, a building, uh, Toledo Sports Arena, one Main Street in Toledo, and and uh, it was unbelievable. One, I'm 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 very happy and glad I made that choice to play there for one season just to live it. And you could tell, I could tell right then and there how passionate the fans were about hockey. Uh, there's a long and and dated history. Uh, going way, way back with, with uh, you know, some special hockey players that played here in Toledo that now live in the area. Um, Toledo's come a long way, even in the 10 years at the wall I've been here. And just started with this building here. Uh, you know, we don't take it for granted that, that what we have, it's extremely special, but we want to make it special every time we step onto the ice. And, and our fans, you're going you're gonna to live it here first, first class here tonight in terms of uh, the chanting during the National Anthem. Don't be surprised by that. They, they yell, hit somebody during one part of the National Anthem. Uh, you know, the first round, they're, they're yelling at the opponents. Uh, it's, it's a rowdy crowd, but uh, they, are, they do have knowledge about the game. They support us. Here at the Huntington Center, we have a, a large contingency that travels on the road. We'll have several several fans come down to, uh, to Cincinnati tomorrow. Uh, they're just hockey crazy. They love it and they want to see uh, they want to see a winner. When when you look at this whole, I, I'm really excited just to see the whole presentation from beginning to end. And you know, certainly, uh, I would love to see as I know you would too a, a walleye victory. Uh, when you get this kind of support, and you know we've talked about this, sometimes guys figure, well, ECHL, but yeah. it's not, that's not the way this franchise operates, nor is it the way the Red Wing organization treats it. I mean, there's opportunity here, but this is is the crowd like, and I, I hate to be corny here, yeah, yeah. the, the six man. I mean, really, this this crowd can elevate this hockey team to heights maybe that they themselves may not know they could reach. It does, it does. It gets loud in here. Uh, they're, they're behind us 100%. A big hit, everyone's on their feet. A goal scored, everyone's on our feet. The, the horn's going off. Uh, our guys, you can feel it on the bench. It, it does. The, the emotion, uh, you know, the energy. The intensity, it just it gets everybody fired up. And, and uh, we've had unbelievable home records since, you know, from the past five years when the crowds really started becoming more and more consistent, the amount of sellouts we've had every season. A lot of that you have to, to you know, you have to give kudos to our front office who do a phenomenal job of packing this place for us. Uh, winning certainly helps. I think we, we've clearly figured that part out, but it, it is. I do believe it is a six-man type atmosphere and, and six-man sort of uh, giving us a, a kick when we need it. Um, they're a critical group. They are. When they're playing bad, you're going to hear about it. When you're playing good, you're going to get praised. So uh, we certainly appreciate the support we get every single game. You know, and I've noticed the walleye colors. You know, you would think maybe being in Ohio, although you're right on the Michigan border, that there would be like a, a hint of red, maybe some gray or scarlet yeah. and everything. But you guys are kind of almost maize and blue at times. Do you ever get any feedback about that? No, no, we don't actually. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know where the color scheme came up, but it certainly fits. Uh, you're going to see a ton of jerseys, and, and uh, the memorabilia flies off the shelves here. It's, uh, again, our, our uh, merchandising uh, team, they do a phenomenal job, and you're going to see, drive through the city, you see walleye everywhere. You know, I wanted to ask you that. You know, and I guess nicknames are nicknames, but 
when I think walleye, I think a fish, yep. but I don't think a fierce, intimidating kind of fish. Do you know what the history behind the name is? No, or, I mean, it's cool. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's yeah. different, but, and the logos are great, yes. but, you know, I just don't, you know, I think when I think, you know, deadly fish, I think piranha or right. something, but I don't think walleye necessarily. I think walleye, let's fry it up and eat it. Right. You know? <laughs> Believe every every opponent, every visiting arena we go to, that's exactly, it's time for a fish fry. We hear really? that all over the really? place. But no, uh, there's the Maumee River runs through Toledo. Uh, they have a massive, massive walleye run, fishermen out all the time. Really? It's huge. And so I think it's just part of, part of Toledo, part of its culture as a city. Uh, from, I've never uh, been out fishing to catch a walleye, but uh, the teeth on those things and the, the fight that they can give right. uh, do allow it to, to probably be a little more fierce than, than say, a rainbow trout or a perch you're trying to catch there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, fish. yeah, but it is. It, 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 the, the name comes from the, the big fishing that we have here through the Maumee River. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's, well, I, I really never knew that. But, yeah. I mean, like, I, I know... I mean, I see merchandise all over, and I know the Swamp Shop, uh, and even the Mud Hens, which, yeah. is, a, which is a classic name, obviously, yeah. uh, the Toledo Mud Hens. But, yeah, it, it just seems that this is a big sports town. We know Ohio, much like Michigan, they're big sports states. They yeah. love their athletics, and that it, it just seems that everything has, has come together nicely for this franchise here, which, which is great. And I, I want to move on, and, and I know we have talked about this before. Like I said, I... I've talked to Dan so much over the last couple of years. I think I've transcribed almost 20,000 words of conversation between us. But uh, um, now, once the season begins, and all three organizations, Griffins, Walleye, Red Wings, are going through transitional phases, was this year different as far as communication between the franchises? Because everybody was really focused in on a transition year for themselves. Yeah, I think you know, obviously Detroit going through their their uh, their youth movement there, but also still wanting to win, still wanting to to do that. I think Jeff and his staff did a really good job of that. Uh, you know, not losing that type of winning culture. You, you still have to win in order to develop, and I think uh, winning helps develop players quickly. And so Ben, I know when you get to Grand Rapids. Another proud organization that wants to win. You know, the, the Griffins don't want to be uh, just straight development mode. That's why they, they sign all those, the veteran guys that have been there and done that. It can help the, help the young guys develop quicker as well. So uh, in terms of communication, I don't think there's any lack of communication. It probably was a little bit different uh, in terms of that. There wasn't, there wasn't as many uh, call-ups, send-downs as probably what we've seen in the past. And if it was, it was the same guys going up and down. So it was basically... You know, of these defensemen, who's playing good? Of these forwards, who's playing good? Let's get them up here. And, and then when they come back down, what do they need to continue to work on? What do they need to continue to do to be uh, full-time AHLers? But for us down here, it's once we get our players, it is. It's, it's a lot of focus was on us. And usually I make it to Grand Rapids. I didn't this year due to scheduling. <coughs> so, sorry. Um, our, our schedule was a bear this year, one of the worst I've, I've been a part of, and, and uh, it, was, it was really hard. Same with Detroit. I didn't get it up there either, but with that said, I still watch. You know, right. I, I get the AHL package. I watch as many games as I can. I watch Detroit a fair amount. Uh, watch NHL games as much as I can, too, so I still know what they're doing or, or you know, what they look like. Yeah, I... I... When you when you look in, in your you're coaching and you're trying to figure things out, one of the things that I hear from fans 
a lot is is that okay if you're going through a rebuild or retooling or any way you want to look at it the roster is going to be changing and most likely when you hear that you think well yeah. they're going to get younger right um but yet all three organizations still need veteran players, which a lot of fans just don't get or yep. understand. Yep. They hear, oh, come on, they're pros, they know how to win and all that. How important at all three levels is it to have a core of veteran players to kind of show the way? Yeah, in my opinion, I think the, the, the right veterans are, are imperative to have on a roster to, to show these young kids truly what it means to be a professional i mean you in here and i know what happens in grand rapids uh it potentially could have happened in in detroit here once you get a guy out of junior you know who's been living with a billet family for the past four years three years whatever it may be probably hasn't cooked a meal too often right. done his own laundry paid rent bought a car all these things outside of hockey that's actually the, the bigger distractions to these young kids and, and some struggle with trying to figure out how to do it. And these older guys jump in and help out right away. Now it's the, the, the daily habits. The older guys have those nailed at what it truly means to be a pro. Um, the practice habits. It's not just going out there and stick handling. It's, it's the competition level even in practice. And they need to see these older guys do that to, to get them through and along. And so I think it's important you say the word rebuild or retooling, whatever the case may be, those, the, the right veteran guys are extremely crucial in, in, uh, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I, I, I find it, uh, when, you know, rebuilding and, and retooling, and I hear this from, from everyone. We have a blog series at DetroitRedWings.com called Taking Flight, and it's four prospects, uh, college, junior, a couple of Griffins that are writing about, you know, their trials and tribulations, and they all talk about being out on their own for the first time. Yeah. I'm wondering, are we ever going to get to a point where uh, the Toledo Walleye or Grand Rapids Detroit will have like a life skills coach or somebody to who who ch kind of you know re-educates these guys what it's like to be like an almost an average everyday person. I'm not dissing yep. them at all, no, but you know no. what I mean because you're right. When you're you're a pretty good athlete, a lot of things are already done for you or taken care of. Yep. You get to this level you where, you know, hey, maybe you're making some money or whatever, but it changes completely. It certainly does. And I think even, you know, you talk about the junior guys living with billets and then you get to the, the guys who went the NCAA route, they're used to going to school, having practice, and then studying, doing their work at nighttime. Now they come here, you practice in the morning. They've got the rest of the day to figure out what to do. Right. There's a lot of guys that, you know, they need a little bit of guidance. You're not just going home and sleep on your couch or your bed all day long. Uh, you know, you got to make the right choices. And I think, you know, for those guys, it's tough. There's that transition period. And I think the junior kids as well, there's, there's that transition period, that first month, month and a half until they find the routine and what works. Um, you know, it is tough. And I think just having that right mix of veteran guys in there, having that right mix of maybe the second and third year pros that are still younger uh, can, can help them through. You know, it's interesting, uh, a really um, high-end uh, college athlete, when he became a pro, he said that the biggest adjustment he had to make was how much time he had on his hands and how much where he was with, you know, whether a junior team or a college team, they all kind of hung out and did things together and all that. When you get to a pro level, some guys are older, they have yep. families, they have commitments there, and you're in competition with kind of one another. So he had, after his practice was over, he went home and pretty much sat in his apartment and waited till practice start the next day. I would wonder that 
I guess, is there anything that a coach can do to make sure that he's active doing something? Or yeah. do you try to keep in touch with him and, hey, let's, what do you hear? Here's a book to read. I know, like, right. you know, Phil Jackson used to give every player he had, like, books to read that yep. he thinks would interest them just to keep their mind, you know, just not sitting there vegetating, I right. guess. Right, and I think at this level it is unique that we have team apartments that all the guys live together. Oh, cool. So I'm sure there's a lot of video games being played and, and uh, pizza being ordered some nights. But <laughs> uh, you know what it is? It's uh, just guys being together away from the arena creates that special bond for a team as well. I know it's a little bit different in the American League where guys have to go find their own apartments and everything. But the other thing, too, is our, our team does a really good job of getting the players out into the, into, out into the community. And whether that's going to schools, local hospitals, charities, uh, you know, they really do get them involved and, and out there. And I know that can eat up, eat away at uh, part of their days too. You know, I wanted to uh, ask you about a few, a few of the walleye players, and if I miss anybody that you would like to single out, yep. please do. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, Zach Gallant has recently joined mm -hmm. the walleye, has played pretty well. Uh, only a couple of years ago, he's a third-round pick by, by the Red Wings. Uh, can you talk a little bit about him and his game? I mean, I guess I would assume because you've seen him in development camp and training camp, probably a little bit familiar with yeah, him. Yeah, no, I knew knew who he was when, when uh, Ryan Martin called us to see if there would be any interest and, and, frankly, to see if Zach would have any interest. And, and he's come in here and done a nice job for us. And, and uh, the, I guess number one on the ice, uh, he's very smart in his own zone. Um, you know, now we're starting to see some of the offense he can provide. Uh, he can play both positions, a center and a wing. Right now we have him at center. He's, he's been very good on draws. Uh, he still has some maturing on the ace to do in terms of his, his physicality and, and growth in terms of his, his body. But um, he's, he's, he's a pro. He's a pro off the ace. He's a mature kid. Uh, he's come in here and, and fit with our group nicely in terms of his habits and his detail in his game. So uh, we're happy to have him right now. I know his first year he played for Peterborough on the O. Um, he didn't score a goal in 51 games. Yeah. The year he was drafted, he had scored 21 goals, and the Red Wings actually really liked that about here's a guy who could have, you know, just kind of packed it up and said, you know, hey, no zero goals. I mean, I'm whatever I thought I was, I'm certainly not, but he didn't. You know, they liked his mindset. Then, you know, he still was scoring goals, but he didn't yep. reach 21 in his last two years. What kind of status is he? Ryan Martin calls and says to you, hey, Dan, are you interested? We'd like to keep him within the system. We've got to make a decision yep. on him whether we're going to sign him by June 1st because he only has two years because he played in junior hockey. Would you do so? The, the walleye sign him, and yeah. is it so? Is it a link? I don't know what the terms are, or, or no, is it just for this season? Just for this season, basically. And the ECHL contracts can be literally one day, really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. you're signed per week, and <clears throat> but it could be one day. And, and so, for Zach, it was an opportunity for him to come and play, see, see what he was about the last few games of the season. We really liked him. We really trusted him on the ice, what he showed uh, for the last little bit of the regular season. And he earned his way onto this playoff roster. You know, it wasn't technically given to him. Uh, he earned it, and, and uh, you know, there's a little bit of stuff we had to go through to get him on that playoff roster in terms of his visa, his work visa, and things like that. And, and he was up to the task, and I think he's having a good time enjoying himself and, and learning, you know, how we do things here in Toledo, but also, you know, what it takes to be a pro. I think he's seen some guys come down from the American League or guys that have played in the American League to see where he sort of stands in terms of that as well. So 
ton of experience. I think it's going to help him along here in the future, and uh, you know, we'll see where this goes. Now, and I'm not asking to predict the future. And it's, yep. You know, it's unfair to you and actually him, but I, I mean, he he could still t he could still be signed by the Red Wings. Yep. He could say, hey, we like what he saw in Toledo, or. I guess he could be signed by Grand Rapids, or he could be signed by Toledo, or at this point he could be signed by anybody after right. June 1st. Right. Yeah, no, they, let's put it this way. I think they, they do have a tough decision to make. Uh, he's come here, and I think he's done everything that's been expected and probably even a little bit more. So, uh, you know, obviously depending on what they feel, Ryan's been here, Ryan Martin's been here to a couple games in the playoffs and also regular season. So I think uh, Sean Horkoff was here to watch him play as well. So they have a good feel of what he is and who he is. Or, and, and I guess the biggest thing is predicting what he can become right. in the Red Wings organization. Really? So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens. Because I, I would say, and I'm doing an assumption here, I have no inside information, though, if... After Peterborough, they wanted him to come to Toledo. That should be an encouraging sign, at least for him. Yeah, I think they just want to see, you know, obviously in Peterborough, probably one of their top guys uh, when he's healthy. And, and uh, he, I think they wanted him to, to come here and, and get some more eyes on him. Obviously, Grand Rapids was deep at that time looking for their playoff run. And, and uh, at the time, we were shorthanded at the end of the regular season. So you know, we jumped at the opportunity to get him here to see what he could do. And, and like I said, he's done everything that we've asked him to do. Um, expectations have certainly been met in, in my eyes. And let's see what happens. Um, I want to move on because I know you're, you've got a game. Yep, so yep. I, mean, you know, I can talk to you for all day, as you know. So uh, David Pope, I mean, yep. he signed as a college free agent. Uh, uh, you know, wicked shot, everyone, power play specialist, didn't quite, was maybe just a numbers game sometime, ice time, not seen as much time probably as he wanted in Grand Rapids, comes down to Toledo and seems to get his confidence, his game's starting to come back. That's the biggest thing with him I can see already is just the confidence he has with the puck and, and uh, he's a guy that he needs to have it on a stick, he needs to get himself in, into position to, to get that shot off. Uh, so down here he's able to do that at the American League level uh, you know it, it is a little bit quicker pace probably a little more structured and, and maybe those opportunities don't come but down here again he got sent down here he hadn't been playing a whole lot and and you know now he's he's on our top line with with some of our top two older guys he's on the the first unit power play as our shooter uh, he's on our third uh, pairing of penalty killers so he's getting the opportunity to get tons of ice get that confidence back He's having success, which also helps with the confidence, help with, helps with the development. So moving into next year, you know, I think he's going to be a good spot heading into to camp where he can earn the, an everyday American League job. When uh, uh, we talked about him already, but Caden Fulcher, I would imagine Grand Rapids, their two goaltenders that they have on the roster now, both signed one-year deals. Mm -hmm. Philip Larson signed a three-year deal yep. uh, right after Denver was eliminated in the Frozen Four. I think he's ticketed for one of those spots in Grand Rapids. I mean, certainly he has to earn it. I mean, he could right. certainly be here in Toledo, uh, uh, too. Fulcher, maybe, and nothing against Pat Nagel, who, you know, could yep. probably play till he's 100. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Caden kind of majority games next year here for the walleye you I, think yeah potentially i mean obviously he's gonna have to have a big summer i think he and i think he will he's ready to put the work in and put the time in uh you know i think in his mind he's he's expecting and hoping to battle for for a job in grand rapids and and uh that's that's gonna be my message when he leaves here and hopefully that's ryan and ben's message if they talk to him at the end of the year as well is you know 
have a great summer, be ready to compete for a spot in Grand Rapids and see what happens. And if he has to start here, he's going to get playing time. And he knows that, which can, as a goaltender, it's a little bit different than players. If he's here for, for a year and a half or even two full seasons, it's not going to hurt his development. He's still a young kid. Uh, there's still quirks about the position uh, that he's working and fine-tuning uh, his technical game. So, um, you know, it's a good spot for him because he's going to play. Um, I wanted to talk about Dylan Sadaway, who the Red Wings traded for um, he had signed, I believe, or the Red Wings signed him. They made a deal. They third-round pick to San Jose. Dylan comes here. They sign him to a three-year entry-level deal. He is at the end of that three-year entry-level de- deal right now. He has, um, He's an intriguing player, to say yep. the least. I, I think we have all have seen flashes of what San Jose and what the Red Wings saw yep. in him. Is it just a case of players have a different maturity level and a comfort level to get used to the pro game. Yeah, I think I think it, I think it is. I think you nailed it right there, Art, and saying the maturity level. He's certainly grown uh, maturity-wise from, from year one to year three. Uh, I consider him a, a leader on our team right now. Uh, you know, he, he again, he's a guy that plays all situations. Uh, top power play, uh, second line right now, and also uh, second unit on our PK. So he's a guy that we we play 20 to 25 minutes on any given night. And he's a big part of who we are. Uh, with that said, sometimes I think uh, guys go up to the American League and they don't know their identity. They don't know where they fit. Whether it's a fourth line, well, am I supposed to be a checking guy? Am I an offensive guy? So, you know, down here he's very offensive, but up there he's probably got to be more defensive, more checking, and, and that's certainly part of his game has grown. Um, but, again, it, it's one of those things, whether it's in numbers, whether they want him to play, uh, there's there's a multitude of, of probably answers that the reason why he's been here for for most parts of three years. Is, is, is there a point where because uh, you know maybe even at your level where you're a coach, great coach, but you also have to uh, be a little bit of a psychologist as all coaches oh, yeah. do. Where you know do do you you know, especially a guy who comes in who has a three year entry level deal, uh, and you know Red Wings you know took a, a good chance on him. Does he? Is he somebody that you maybe watch a little bit more to see where his mind's at? Because obviously at one point in his life, and he should still have this, but I mean just yep. his aspirations are through the roof. Oh, yeah, he's still a young player. And I think we've seen the, there, there certainly are stories of guys that have gone from the ECHL to the NHL. There's, there's no question about right. that and whether it's opportunity within the organization. But talking about his mental side, you know, I think earlier on, uh, certainly his first year and last year when he was sent down there's there's just a major disappointment like here I am in Toledo again then you get through a few practices games and, and, it, and it, it turns around he's like okay now I'm one of the guys here which is fine but I think this year too early on I think he was hoping just to stick with Grand Rapids so that first send down uh, I think it's that initial shock of here we go again type right. mentality and you just have to get him through it and when you do that just by communicating with him getting getting uh, him to know that you trust him that he's going to be a big part of who you are his development path is still has to continue uh, he can't you know just become stagnant and 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 stall the development process he still has to get better at certain areas of his game and and whether it's the Detroit organization whether it's getting called up to Grand Rapids or at the end of this year moving to a new organization you know I think that his development path is still there that he could be an everyday AHLer you know a player that I've always liked I covered him in college at Western Michigan and uh uh, I know he's from from the metropolitan Detroit area, yep. Claus, and and I, I always butcher his name, but Shane uh, Bershbach. Yep, Bershbach. Yep. Yeah, uh, I mean he 
I always, he, he just seems to be one of those guys that really has it, but he seems to have, have found a home and a comfort level here in Toledo. Yeah, he's been here five years now, and it's been uh, intriguing. He was a 165-pound uh, soaking wet when he got here. Just a little guy, a little water bug out there making plays, and, and uh, you know now uh, he's engaged to be married. He's got a child now. So just seeing him grow up as a person the last five years has been really neat. But, I mean, the stats the stats don't lie. He's, a, he's an assist machine. He's a point machine. Um, he's extremely, extremely uh, durable in terms of his games played every year. Uh, so he's a guy that we look to as to be a leader. He's not a, he's not a raw, raw guy in the locker room, but he comes to work every day and he does things the right way, which, again, you look at some of the young, skilled guys we get through this program, uh, they look to him and see what he does and how he approaches the game and how he approaches uh, his life off the ice, and he's a great role model. Well, you know, and he's one of these guys that we talked about earlier. He is now 27 years old, yep. a little older, has gone through it, has performed at this level, great. Oh, I yeah. mean, he's, he's you know almost a point a game, if maybe yeah. not even. Oh, I mean, he would be somebody that I guess that you could point to to other players and say, you know, hey, look, Shane gets it. He understands what, regardless of what level you're at, of what being a good pro is all about. Yeah, and part of it, he loves hockey. Uh, he loves Toledo, and so you know, part of that is when he shows up, he is ready to work. And so now the young guys see that. You know, he's not uh, a last-minute guy where he's showing up to the rink and you have to be here at 9 o'clock in the morning for practice. He's showing up at 8.59 running in. He's here early. Uh, you know, he's, he's one of the guys working on his skills after practice. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Shane and, and sort of the, the mentorship role that he provides for our young guys. When you look at the defensive core, and I don't want to diss any of the forwards, but, again, you've got probably meetings and things. You, you know, you've got a big game tonight. Um, I look at it, and the one guy that I've always liked, and I think he's almost like an ECHL legend, and, you know, obviously I call him Cash Register, but yeah. it's Matt Register. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of Dylan McElrath in a way. You look at him, you look at the size, or you look at their skill set, and you're thinking to yourself, why, why not? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But he is... I would imagine he's got to be one of your leaders too. Yeah, he is, and, and right now he's certainly stepped up through the playoffs in terms of his experience. He's won three uh, Kelly Cups in a row now, uh, one with Allen, two with Colorado, beat us in the conference finals one year. Um, he's been real good in that locker room in terms of it doesn't matter who gets the points. It doesn't matter who provides the success. Uh, someone's got to do it. Let's be a team. And he, so he's really been great on that aspect of it. And then just how to handle adversity. You know, we've had a couple a couple learning lessons here in the playoffs already, surprisingly enough, in uh, game three in Fort Wayne, game two here against Cincinnati. And, and he's been the guy that as soon as the game's over, he's gone in and, and stepped up and, and talked as a leader, talked about what we need to do better, how we can learn from, from our mistakes, uh, even in the playoffs. So he's been a vital uh, a vital role. He plays a vital role throughout this whole playoff experience we're, we're going through right now. Now, is this because Toledo's such a great place to play in the atmosphere and he's familiar with it? Did he want to come here? Did you have to recruit him? Because, you know, a player, of, like you said, he's won three championships that yeah. he would, you know. Oh, he had his pick of the litter, I'm sure, the yeah. summer of where to go. And just the, the talks that uh, he and I had throughout the summer, uh, I think he liked that the Detroit and Grand Rapids and Toledo do have a, a close relationship. Um, hit one of his main goals was try to get called up to the, NA, to the American League this year, which he did at the end of the year with Hartford. Um, and and uh, one of the things, too, that he wants to win. You know, he looked at our previous records through the, through the uh, regular season, 
the, the somewhat postseason success we've had and and uh, he really wanted to bring this franchise over the top and he's certainly starting to do that right now. Dan, I know that we're going to, I'm going to let you go because I know that it's, it's getting close, face-offs a couple yeah. hours away, <laughs> a couple hours away now, but but I want to ask, you know, you have kind of a relationship with this town, with this city, this yep. organization. As a matter of fact, you know, I always used to kid Joe Hicketts a little bit, he could run for mayor of Grand Rapids. <laughs> I think you could probably run for mayor of, of Toledo. Can you just sum up what this experience being now the head coach but the whole hockey environment what it is how it's impacted your life yeah well for me i mean 10 years ago as a 27 year old jumping on the bench for the first time obviously a lot of nerves and excitement didn't know what to expect and i think you know toledo the organization the people i've been with has allowed me to grow into the coach i am today and even the person i am today and and uh it's it's been an unbelievable uh, 10 years here it certainly has been uh, great to my family as well when they come here for the games. And, and I think the fans especially, is, you know, that really means a lot that they support the team like they do. I can't imagine coaching in, an, in another place or a better place at this level than here. And, again, it's the organization that makes it special. You know, they're the ones that do the, the hard work behind the scenes. And so to work with guys like that, to have a great staff that I've had the privilege to work with here for the last three years as a head coach and the head coaches before me that I learned from, uh, it has been an unbelievable way to learn and, and to, to learn the ropes of coaching. Well, Dan Watson, head coach of the Toledo Walleye, I always enjoy talking to you. You know that. Uh, uh, best of luck um, in this playoffs. Hopefully you get by the Cyclones of Cincinnati, not the Ducks, <laughs> the, the Cyclones. And, uh, you know, what, a couple, maybe six weeks from now or so, you're hoisting that uh, Kelly Cup. That would be a lot of fun. I think my beard would be a little grayer and a little longer, but uh, obviously, uh, hopefully a dream that could come true. Dan, thanks. Thanks for your time. Good luck. Thank, Thank you. you very much.